Romans chapter 12, verses 9 to 21. It's entitled Love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. But do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thanks, Tony. Well, good morning. Uh, for those who are visiting this morning and, and don't know who I am, my name's Nick. Um, it's my pleasure to be the pastor here at Yas Community Baptist Church. Um, and so this morning we're going to continue our Culture Code series. Um, and I just want to let you know this morning that we're actually uh, doing this in two parts. So we're going to do two, two lots of three uh, messages uh, in, a, in, a, in a row through this series. We're going to have a break of two weeks in the middle uh, where we're going to have some guest speakers. And so I just want to... Uh, um, share with excitement who we've got coming up. So um, the middle two weeks of June, uh, on the 9th of June, uh, we have one of my absolute heroes in faith uh, coming to share with the church, a great man of God. Um, it's Reverend Barber Senior. He's my dad. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, just really excited to, to have dad come and speak with us again. And um, a couple of years ago, I think it was last time he spoke here, and it was a great word, and um, was talking to him on the phone during the week, and, um, and he was talking about what he's going to share, and he started preaching to me on the phone, um, and mum was there as well, and she's like, yep, that, that's, that's good, uh, Ron, and, um, that. and then the week after that, so that's the 9th of June, encourage you to make it a priority um, to be here for that, um, and then on the 16th of June, we have uh, David Nathan coming to share with us again, so um, those who have been a, a part of the church over the last um, 12 to 18 months or even two years would know David and um, he's the pastor of the Hive Church in Sydney. Um, we've built a relationship there with them partly. It's, it's, it's Laurie, those who know Laurie's son uh, and Leslie's uh, brother, um, but we've built a, a, a relationship as a church with them as well. And so looking forward to what he has to share and then we're going to finish the second part of this Culture Code series. Um, as we begin, I'm going to do something I haven't done for a while this morning, uh, though, and is invite you all to stand, those who are physically able um, to, to stand up. You're thinking, uh, here's my chance to uh, sit down and, and to, um, to, to relax and kick in, and uh, I want to invite you to stand, and I just had this thought during the week that I've prepared to preach this morning. I've spent time studying God's Word and, and, and meditating on it and, and, and worshipping and seeking God's will this morning. I just had the thought, and don't hear this as a criticism, because I don't think this is something we don't do. I just thought, I wonder if people come prepared to receive. 
I've spent time preparing to preach and, I, and, and, and this is a self-criticism in a sense where when I come and I'm not preaching, I'm the same as that. I kind of sit down and go, all right, let's have it Steve or let's have it Dad or whoever else is preaching. And, and so I just want to encourage you to take this moment as you stand, you know, you can stretch your arms out and, and, and you've not come to hear me, you've not come to be entertained. We've come to church this morning to worship our God, but to receive from His Word. And so I'm ready to preach. I'm excited to preach this morning. I love preaching. I love God's Word. And so I want to encourage you to be ready to receive God's Word. I want you to be ready not to to kind of get from me, but to get the most of what God has for you this morning. So I'm going to pray and encourage you to, to, as we pray, if there's something that's on your mind that's got to happen this afternoon, if you've got 30 people coming to your house for lunch today and you're a bit worried about how that's going to work or, or you've got a busy week ahead, I want you, as we pray, to tell that you can wait because I'm here to receive from God's Word. And so let's pray. And so we speak to this afternoon and we speak to the week to come and we say, you can wait. Whatever you hold for us, you can wait. And we declare that we are ready to receive from your word this morning, God. It's not about me this morning, I declare, God. I pray that you would help me to preach to this church what you would have them hear this morning. I pray that you would help all of us, including me, to receive every single morsel of your word that you want us to take home and be transformed by today. In Jesus' almighty name, amen. All right, you can take a seat. And so we're, we're, we're into week two of a series that we're calling Culture Code. And so the question we're exploring through this series is what should shape the culture of the church? And so a, a bit of a verse we're looking at for the, um, across the whole series is Romans 12.2. Uh, and so Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, or, so, or we could call that culture. We could translate that word pattern as culture. And so we're told not to conform to the culture of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, uh, and then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so I said last week, whether you think the world is going to hell in a handbasket culturally, or whether you think it's reached a, a new level of enlightenment progressiveness, regardless of our view of the world and its culture, that's not what should shape the culture of the church. And and so we're exploring through this series uh, a number of phrases through the New Testament that say, that are spoken to the church or written to the church that say one another or each other. These, These are phrases that are spoken to the church itself, inwardly looking to shape a healthy culture, a healthy attitude within the church. And so, as I said last week, this is an intentionally inward-looking series. This is a series that's intentionally looking in at the church and exploring what does it look like to have a healthy culture as a church. That doesn't mean that we stop being on mission as a church, that we stop seeking to reach the lost in the name of Jesus. And so last week, for those that were here, I gave a prayer challenge and encouraged through this series across the next six weeks, but it's actually eight weeks because there's going to be two in the middle, to choose one person that you know and care about that doesn't know Jesus and to pray for them that they would come to know Jesus every day. I've got a confession for you to make. I haven't done that for the past week. So there's grace (laughs) around this prayer challenge, but I want to re-encourage us today to think, God, who do you want me to pray for? 
And as we look in at the culture of the church, that we're praying outwardly, that, that those in our town or those in our relationship circles that don't know Jesus would come to know Jesus. Okay, and so last week we began this series with love and I described love, uh, we're told to love each other over and over throughout the New Testament and so I believe that love is the defining cultural value of the church. It's the thing that should define us and shape us above all else uh, in in our culture Uh, and, and that love is expressed through accepting one another, it's expressed through actions, not just words and it's expressed through affection. Um, so I did talk about holy kisses last week. Um, if you want to know my 10 tips about holy kisses, you'll have to uh, listen to the podcast. It's not at all what we talked about. But, but, but our love shouldn't be just a dr- cold, dry, practical love. It should be a love of affection for one another in the church. And, and so this week we're growing. We're not moving on from love. And, and in reality, all of these other kind of things that we're talking about throughout this Culture Code series are expressions of love. It's... it's, it's ways in which we really express that love for one another. And so this week we're going to talk about honour. And so in Romans 12.10, it's a beautiful verse to make the connection between love and and honour. So Romans 12.10 just draws a beautiful bridge between, pardon me, love and honour. It says, be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another in love, honour one another above yourselves. And so this word honour... Uh, that we translate honour here um, from the Greek, means perceived value, worth. Uh, literally, it's, it's a price. It's the value that we willingly assign to something or someone. And, and it's from the eye of the beholder. And so what that means is that uh, honour is something given, not taken. Honour is a value an expression of worth towards another person. And so we could translate this, uh, be devoted to one another in love, value one another, consider others more worthy than yourself. It's about value, it's about a price. And so we can think about how do we honour others? How do we express value to others? One way I thought this week to think about that is to think about our own life and think about, well, when have I not felt valued and honoured? Because we can, we can often more readily go to the negative and think, oh, there was this time and this person did X or didn't do X and, and I really felt devalued. They didn't show up on time or they didn't show up at all or, or you know, they spoke rudely to me and I really felt devalued as a person. And, and so if we flip that on, our head, on its head, then we can think about, well, that's, that's how we express honour. We value people's time. We, we show up when we say we're going to show up. We, we speak words of affirmation rather than negative. But, but we can think about, well, what, what does it feel like and look like to be dishonoured? And turn that on ahead to look at honour. It's, it's about time. It's about valuing a person's gifts. It's about acknowledging and valuing their presence. It's about how we use words. It's about how we respect their space. It's about how we validate them as a person. But, but again, the thing is, it's given. It can't be taken. You can't make someone honour you and someone can't make you honour them. Honour, value, is a, is, a, is a gift given to someone else. It's an expression of value towards them. Just as a, a, a beautiful work of art has the value that people put on it. It's, it's really, you know, I don't know how much canvases cost. I'm an artist, a couple hundred bucks of canvas, uh, you know, give it another hundred dollars of, of paint, Rachel's given me a nod, I'm in the ballpark. Um, 
And, and so the materials of it, it's kind of like 200 bucks. Just as, you know, I think they say that there's a dollar seventy-five, or maybe it's inflated a little bit worth of valuable materials within our body if you were to sell them. It's the raw materials, um, you know, melt, melt you down and... The raw materials aren't, aren't, aren't worth very much. And so just like an artwork, the value is, is what people assign to it. It's a value given to it by how much people are prepared to express value towards them. And, and so with artwork, that's, that's the sale price. But with people, it's, it's how much do we honour, how much do we value that other person? It's given, it can't be demanded. And so... Who should we honour in the church? If the church is called to be a culture of honour, then, then who should be honoured? Well, 1 Timothy 5.17 gives us a, a bit of a hint in, in, the, in the direction of who should be honoured. It says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. They've just been greedy, yeah. It's, you know, a preacher and teacher's favourite verse. Um, the next one goes on to not muzzling the oxen, so make sure you pay uh, your pastors and things like that. But, but elders should be honoured. Leaders and, and those in uh, who take on positions of responsibility um, and leadership and care for the church should be honoured. It says double honour here. Those who take on leadership and responsibility and care and authority in the church should be honoured. And that seems to be kind of the pattern of honour in some sense if, if honour is expressed uh, in any way in the world. It's those who, who are, to put it another way, are on top, get honoured. But if the church is to be a culture of honour, honour doesn't stop there. In 1 Corinthians 12, 22 to 24, where, where the Apostle Paul's talking about the church as a body and he's using the human body of an analogy of, of what, the, what the church should be and how the church should function. And he says, on the contrary, those parts of the body, so he's talking about a human body, but he's using it as an analogy of, of the body of Christ, the church. He says, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and, those, and the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our uh, presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together. So this is a human body, but it's an analogy of the church. God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. And so in the world just as they should be in the church, leaders and people in positions of authority and responsibility should be honoured in the church, just as in the world. But unlike the world, if the church is to be a culture of honour, it's not just the shiny people. It's not just those who are in positions of a status, of positions of status or leadership. In the church, the culture of honour goes beyond hierarchy. It's not just those who have the most followers on Facebook or Instagram. It's not those who have the most comments on their social media profile. It's, it's not those who have the most interactions and clicks. So however the world measures those who are important, 
If the church is to be a culture of honor, honor, the, the valuing of others, the expression of worth towards others goes from the top to the bottom. And, and in this scripture, it says that of the body, the human body, but of the church as well, God has put the body together. God has put the church together in a way that those who lack honor in the world's eyes, those who are, for whatever reason, less considered less worthy, less valuable, less special, less gifted, those who are, who are not the shiny people, however you want to take that phrase to mean, God has organized the church, He's created the church, He's put it together, giving greater honor to those who lacked it. And so if we're going to be a culture of honor, if we're going to honor others above ourselves, it's not just honoring those who we think, oh, that person is awesome and, and we couldn't live without them, and, or that person's so beautiful and, and, and such a wonderful presence. It's honoring those that, that, on the face of things, as our worldly eyes, as the culture of the world would look at them, don't seem to be as valuable to us. A culture of honor honors from top to bottom. Every part of the body, the church, is valuable and worthy of honour. Those parts that seem to lack honour are the parts of the church, the, the parts of our community that we need to be more so honouring, more intentionally honouring. Because the thing is, it's not going to happen by accident. We're shaped by the world's culture that wants to honour and follow and like and comment and click upon those who already have the most honour, likes, clicks, follows. It's not just about social media, but, it, but, but the one thing about social media, it gives us a real portrait of the way the world honours. And so we're shaped by that culture and so if we're not intentional about it, we're going to automatically look just like the world. We're going to honour those that seem the most honourable or valuable or worthy. So we really need to be intentional about honouring those parts of our church family, of our community that, that don't seem as obviously worthy of honour or value for some reason. Honour is in fact the culture that we're called to have as a church. I believe honour is in fact the, the operating paradigm of church relationships, of, of church family. It's the operating system, to use a computer phrase, um, which I know nothing about, um, but, but it's the system on which we operate in relationships in the church, is honour. And so our honour needs to go from the top to the bottom, from the greatest to the least, so that a culture of honour looks like every person valued honoured and feeling worthy. The question is, how do we build it? I'm not saying that we've got no honour within the church at all at the moment. This is not a criticism or, or, or a tearing down, but, but we can always grow more so. And so if, we, if we're called to be a culture of honour, well, what is the key to building a culture of honour? What is the key to establishing a culture of honour in the church? And uh, thank you, Tony, for reading this morning. And I think if we jump down in that passage that Tony read from Romans 12.10 to Romans 12.16, we'll find one of the key 
to establishing a culture of honour within the church family. It says, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position, do not be conceited. And so I want to suggest that pride is the enemy of a culture of honour. Pride competes for value, pride contends for value, it it seeks to be recognised and valued and so when we are being prideful, we're saying, look at me and how valuable I am. Look how worthy of honour and likes and clicks and comments and follows I am. Pride is the enemy of honouring others. The key to building a culture of honour is humility. Humility is is what we need. Personal humility, inner humility that's reflected outward to the world is what the church needs so that we've got the capacity to honour others. Without humility, without inner humility, we won't have an outer culture of honour. And uh, not just from this verse, but the Apostle Paul repeats this pattern of of humility that leads to honour in Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Vain conceit is another word for pride and uh, the original Greek word for conceit here is defined as a state of pride without justification an empty pride. And so Paul says, do nothing out of vain conceit. And and so that describes pride so well, it's vain, it's empty. So we often perceive people who are arrogant or prideful as, as thinking that they're awesome. But the thing is, it's not that they think that they're awesome. They might try and tell themselves that, but pride and conceit comes from an emptiness inside. Pride and conceit comes from an emptiness inside It comes from a lack of feeling at the depth of who we are, valued and worthy of honour. And so what it demonstrates outwardly is an attempt to convince everybody else that you are what you don't feel, that you're valuable, that you're worthy. And so Paul says, don't do anything out of vain conceit. Don't do anything out of an attempt to prove to others around you that you're worthy and valuable and honourable. says, rather in humility, humility, the key to building a culture of honour, in humility, value or honour others above yourself. In practical terms, he says, not looking to your own interests, but, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul is saying the same thing, that, that we should have a mindset of humility, inner humility, a humble perspective on ourselves, so that, that we can have then the capacity to value others above ourselves, which we're calling honour this morning. Without humility... Within each of us, we can't have a culture of honour within the church. If we're prideful, we'll all compete, campaign for, search for our own value and honour. Personal humility leads to a culture of honour. 
But we need to take a deeper step back. It actually doesn't begin with humility. We can't just decide to be humble. I mean, we can try it for a while, but it's not too long before our humility or our attempts at humility just become attempts at pride, expressed in different ways. It's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not valuable, I'm not worthy. You know, Abraham's the real hero here, he's the real one who's worthy. Um, I'm going to be the most humble person here. I'm going to prove to all of you how worthy and valuable I really am by how humble I am by how much I can show you how little I think of myself. And so if we really want to build a culture of honour, we need personal humility, but we've got to take a deeper step. And, and here's the thing I want you to see. Humility is not having a low view of yourself. See, low self-worth is actually the enemy of humility. Just as pride is the enemy of, of a culture of honour, low self-worth is the enemy of humility. If we jump to the next few verses, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul is saying that the perfect example of what being humble and valuing others, honouring others above yourself is Jesus Christ. He says, have that attitude. And then he goes on to say, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, or other translations will say grasped or clung to. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He made himself nothing. And so Paul points to Jesus as the example of humility, but Jesus didn't have low self-worth. Jesus, in no way, thought he was not a valuable person. Jesus knew that he was, in very nature, God. Jesus understood his value. Jesus knew that there was no more valuable being in all of the universe, of all of earth and the heavens, in all of creation and things not created. There was no one more valuable than Jesus. Jesus did not have low self-worth. See, true humility is not a low view of self it's knowing how incredibly valuable, valuable you are so that you don't have to get your value externally validated so you can assign greater value to others. Let me say that again. True humility is knowing how incredibly valuable you are so that you don't have to get your value externally validated so you can assign greater value to others. So Jesus didn't need anybody to tell him how valuable he was. Jesus, who was worthy of all honour, all glory, all praise in all of creation, the one who, who Jesus said of himself, if others don't praise and honour him and worship him, the rocks will cry out. So worthy of praise is he. So valuable is he. Yet he didn't need anybody to tell him how valuable he was. 
He knew how much he was worth. He knew that he was in very nature God. He knew that he was God. And so he was able to make himself nothing to honour others, to value others, to express worth for others. And so we struggle to honour others when we don't know how valuable we are. We struggle to honour others when we don't know how valuable we are. Um, I've got three beautiful um, boys. Um, They're all incredibly beautiful. They're all incredibly smart and um, sometimes um, trialling. And so this is not a criticism of them, they're children. But but sometimes I notice that uh, when we are praising one of them or saying, oh, that was a great job, child number two... um, we don't actually call them that, but I'm seeking to, to keep some anonymity for my children this morning. Then one of the other children might come running and, what about me? Did I do a good job too? Am I, am I valuable? Am I worthy? And my children are children, and so this is not a criticism of them, but it, it demonstrates to me when we don't know internally how deeply valuable we are, We struggle to honour or even see others honoured and valued and praised and not think that's a comparison to us. If we don't know how truly valuable we are, we end up in a place of vain conceit, of of hearing someone else valued and honoured or or seeing someone else and trying to kind of, oh, I need to get up here to kind of look bigger and better than they are or I need to push them down so I seem bigger and better than they are. If we don't know how truly valuable we are, then we'll never possess true humility and if we never possess true humility, we'll never, as a church, establish a true culture of honour. Jesus knew that he was God. And my question this morning is, what do you need to know about yourself? You're not God. But you are. One who God looks upon with such value. Who sees you with such incredible worth that he would give his one and only son so that you wouldn't perish, but possess eternal life. Jesus knew that he was God. What do you need to know about you? What do you need to believe about yourself? What do you need to understand about how valuable you really are? It's not prideful to know how valuable you are. It's not knowing that leads to pride. We're called to be, as a church, a culture of honour. Honour requires true humility. True humility requires knowing how valuable you are. See, the thing is that happens sometimes is we see someone, we think that person is so full of themselves. And so we don't want to add to that. We don't want to heap more fullness onto them because we think, oh, their head's big enough as it is. I don't want to make it any bigger. What we need to know is that comes from a place 
of not knowing how valuable they are. And so when we honor the prideful person, when we wear them down, we're saying, you are valuable, you are loved, you are important. Then it starts to fill that up. It starts to help them begin to step towards humility and be one that that doesn't need to compete, that doesn't need to campaign for value, but knows how valuable they are. And they'll shift from being a person that that's like a black hole for value, it's all about me and how valuable I am, to someone that is rating out, rating out worth and value for others. And then other people begin to say, hey, I'm a valuable person. I don't need to prove it. I don't need to compete for it. I don't need to campaign for it. What do you need to know and believe and understand about how valuable you are. It's a cycle. It goes around and around. When we value and honour people, they begin to believe it about themselves. They begin to be able to possess true humility. They begin to be able to express it for others and, and it goes around and around and around. And the church becomes a culture of honour. I'm going to invite you to stand again. I'm not going to invite anyone to kind of out themselves publicly this morning, but but you know who you are. If you're here this morning and you don't know how valuable you are, if you're here this morning and, and you, I just, I just... Don't really, valuable, don't really value myself. I don't honour myself. So I want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you struggle to honour others and value and express worth for others, then, then I want to pray for you. And so you know who you are. if you feel comfortable just reach out your hands to receive each and every one of us so Heavenly Father we thank you that you call us to a culture of honour we thank you that you've taken away all our shame Father I pray for all of us and any of us here this morning that have a low view of ourself, a low understanding of our value. I just get the sense that God wants us to know that that's all of us compared to how much He really values us. And so, Father, by Your Spirit this morning, I pray that You would speak to the hearts of all of us that we would know how valuable we are in your eyes. In your name, Father, I declare the truth over us this morning that each person here is of infinite worth in your eyes. That each person here is so valuable that you would give your one and only Son that they might live. 
Each person here is so valuable that you would send your Holy Spirit to dwell within them. Father, whatever each person here needs to know about themselves, I pray that you would speak it to them by your Spirit this morning. Let no one leave here this morning not knowing how valuable they are. And Father, help us in humility, knowing how much we are worth to honour others, to express value and worth to those in the church from the top to the bottom. Help us to honour those that in worldly terms would miss out. Help us to be intentionally more honouring of those people. So just as the music plays, we just want to linger once more in your presence this morning, Father. I invite you to speak truth to our hearts. We thank you, Father, that we don't need to compete or campaign for your love. We thank you, Father, that you have heaped over and abundantly heaped worth upon us. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love for you to become a part of the Yas Baptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.